fine. Okay. Um, you sound great. So that's always a bonus. I'm not having to like adjust any volumes. There's a little bit of scratching. So if you've got um, like a headphone with a microphone on it, if you can hold it out from your shirt, that's usually what that is. Oh. Like, okay. So does this, I don't know if my headphones have a microphone on them. I guess it does. Or maybe gotcha. I'm moving. Um, yeah, usually like it'll kind of just start rubbing on the, on your clothing. And so it's just kind of this fate scratching. Okay. So if you can kind of just remember to hold it away from you, um, okay. that would be really helpful. Um, and then the main thing is just to remember, it's just like we're chatting, um, at lunch, like last weekend, um, yep. to where we're just really kind of going back and forth. So you may share something that isn't in the questions that I asked, you know, in the email. And I might say, Hey, could you, you know, answer this? Or it might just kind of spur another lane of conversation. So it's very conversational. Um, The main thing to keep in mind is that most are women leaders, but it's a vast majority, like, um, you know, lay leaders all the way to entity workers. I mean, it's a big and broad um, group of women that listen in. So anything that you can kind of point to just development, what it means, like, I think you're going to hit on this naturally, um, but just what it means to be a leader, those kind of things. And even just some of the wrestles that leaders don't typically talk about a lot, um, like seeking a platform or, you know, feeling overlooked, those kind of things. Those are always really good to point out because that's essentially what they're feeling and nobody's talking about it. So um, I think we'll probably more than likely get into that in your waiting thing. So, um, So the main thing is we will just kind of record for about 30 minutes. It's not hard and fast. And so that's the beauty of me getting to run this thing it gets to be as long as I want it to be so um if we hit around 30 minutes and we're still going don't worry about it um we'll kind of wrap up the show and all of that and at the end I'll make sure to um have them point to like your social media if you have any books or things like that that you want to promote then you're welcome to do that at the end too so all right awesome any questions no I mean just tell me if I need to do something different and we'll do it so okay no I think you're good so all right let me get to my questions and we'll get started Hey, everybody, and welcome to another episode of At the Table. It's Jackie King, and I'm so excited that you are joining us again for another conversation of women in ministry in the SBC. I get to introduce you this morning to a new friend that I got to have a lot of fun with this past weekend, Rachel Levingood. Rachel, welcome to the show today. Well, thanks, Jackie. Um, So good to be with you. Yes, so fun. We got to minister to Pastor's Wives Retreat with Contagious Joy. And so um, just coming off of that, and then we were talking before we were recording that you just got done painting a house, which is probably not typical for many of us. So, <laughs> well, Not in 40-something degree weather and, you know, whatever, but it was funny. We had a good time. Yes. So tell me a little bit. Who are you um, painting a house for? Let's go into that. That's cool. It's um, So at our church, um, we, a few years ago, decided it was time to come outside the walls of the church and go do something, you know, to minister in Jesus' name in the community. And so we formed this group that we call Hands and Feet. And every Wednesday, instead of circling up at church or, you know, filling our heads with more knowledge, we decided to go put into practice what we've been learning about all of these years of Bible study and, you know, learning how to be a believer in in this lost world. And so we just started planting ourselves in um, partnering with some people who were already doing some work. Um, mm-hmm. in our community in a kind of a low socioeconomic neighborhood. And we do all kinds of things on Wednesdays. Sometimes we'll help people clean their houses or we will just go visit with them or we'll throw a party and invite all them to come and feed them and have like a mini women's event. Um, and today, so one of the people we partner with, they're revitalizing the neighborhood uh-huh. and they'll buy the houses um, as they come for sale and then they'll fix them, clean them, 
you know, do a lot of work on them, make them nicer. And they're promoting home ownership, like for first time homeowners and trying to move past the rent mentality. Um, And so so we partner with them. And today our job was painting the outside of the house, you know, wherever it was, not the siding and all that. So I'm kind of covered in paint, but hey, you can't see me, so it's no big deal. (laughs) Thankfully, it's a podcast, right? So nobody can see you and all of the streaks of paint that were dropped in your hair. So (laughs) I love that. I love that. So cool. Well, why don't you tell us, Rachel, a little bit just about you? Like, where do you live? Um, How are you connected to the SBC? Just kind of do some of the get to know you questions for us. Okay, sure. So right now I live in East Tennessee and I'm from Tennessee and I've lived kind of a few different places um, in the state. But my husband, Jeff, and I have been married for like 32 years and have done ministry the whole time in in Southern Baptist world. Mm-hmm. I was a Southern Baptist, you know, from like nine months before I was born until, you know, now 52 <laughs> years later. And, um, and so it's always been just a connection for me. And, um, and Jeff and I have had just an awesome privilege of living a lot of different places, a lot of different sized churches. He's a, a senior associate pastor now. We started out in student ministry, mm-hmm. kind of did some next-gen ministry, and then kind of more like senior associate pastor now. And so he kind of coaches up the staff and that kind of thing. Um, I've kind of always had a role in whatever, <laughs> just like other leaders. You know, when you have kind of a leader uh, mentality, you'll, you jump in and do a lot of different things. So I've had a lot of vast experience on wide range of things, but, um, but a passion for me has always been leadership, women's ministry, um, girls ministry, you know, teaching women's God, God's word. And, and then like I was talking about a second ago, how to put it into practice in our everyday life. So mm. kind of a passion of mine. And I've had the privilege of starting women's ministry at churches or jumping in on ones that were already established. Um, like maybe down in Fort Lauderdale, when we served with OS and Susie Hawkins, who Susie's super Aww. active in a lot of the SBC leadership stuff. And yeah, she she's about just, to be on the program. So yes, love one her. One of my favorite her. people in the world <laughs> and one of the greatest senior pastor's wives I've ever had the privilege of working with. And yeah. I've worked with a bunch, yeah. but um, she's just one of my favorites and just allowed me to learn from her. I was just 22, 23 when we were serving with them. And I learned so much just from coming alongside Susie and her just kind of mentoring me unofficially as we did life together. So I just mm. so grateful for her. People like her, I've, there's been many others who have poured into me over these years. So, so good. that's kind of where we stand now. Yeah. So you wear a lot of different hats, like many mm-hmm. of us, right? You're a minister's wife, you're a speaker, you have a couple books that you've written. And so mm-hmm. kind of going back maybe to the beginning of your ministry um, and you and Jeff and just some of those early years, what did you see that was really kind of being formed by God and in, in your earlier stages? And what were maybe some of the things that you really had to battle as a young leader? Um, okay, cool question. So probably let me start with the thing I had to battle the most. Yeah, I, I think the thing I had to battle the most is probably something that a lot of us battle. Sometimes we don't realize it till we're looking back, you know, how um, mm-hmm. our, our vision is so much, we have so much more clarity sometimes um, in, in rear view, but was um, like, for instance, when serving with somebody like Susie, who's so gifted um, in different ways that I had to, I felt very, I'm not sure the right word, but May, not quite intimidated, but like, who am I supposed to be? Like mm-hmm. I w- I have been around people who I considered to be model ministry wives or ministry leaders or staff wives or whatever, pastor's wives. But I felt like I wasn't so much like them. Does that make sense? Yeah. And so kind of learning to own my identity and allow God to do what only he can do 
um, which is take our unique giftedness and use it for his glory. But yeah. sometimes it's hard because you're like, I would look and go, well, wow, I can't play the piano or have this other minister wife friend that she was a good friend of mine when Jeff and I were just engaged and getting married. And she literally, literally, everybody loved the woman. She was the nicest person I'd ever known. Her name's Andrea Duncan. Um, she could play the piano. She taught sign language. Um, mm. She, you know, she would like um, interpret in church. She could sing. She could teach piano. She did, and she always made good cookies. I mean, she just kind of had like this <laughs> this whole package. And and I would yeah. look and go, she's a really good ministry wife, and I love her, and we are still good friends to this day. But I'm nothing like her, mm, you yeah. know, in kind of like the way that my gifts express themselves in real life. Other than I can make a good cookie. So but other than that, you know, to, <laughs> so if I compare myself to Andrea's giftedness, I fall so short. Mm. See, that's not what God calls us to do. He doesn't call yeah. us to compare ourselves to other people. He just calls us to recognize who he created us to be and then go be as much like Jesus as we can be, if that makes yeah. sense. But sometimes yeah. it took me a while to kind of work through some of that. If I if, think that's um, so good. Yeah. I think a lot of people can relate. And yes, yes. I guess the other part of what you're asking me is um, like, how did God um, develop um, you know, different things like that in me. And it was just kind of through trial and error, I really do think. And and people like, again, I'll mention Susie, just calling out in me, hey, you would be good at this. Hey, I think mm -hmm. this would be a great spot that you could um, maybe step up and help us do some things. Um, and so just people who kind of called things out in me yeah, um, across the years. And then my husband has pushed me all of these years. He's he's a coach mentality. Um, if he wasn't a minister, he'd be a football coach. And so, um, <laughs> you know, it was a lot of him going, this, I would love it if you could handle this. And, you know, I think you would be cool at doing this. And so he's somebody who calls out people's giftedness. And he did that in my life mm -hmm. a, a lot over our years of ministry. I love that. Man, already so many good things. And the comparison trap that I think we mm -hmm. can all get into, no matter what age you are, how long you've been doing it. Um, I think there's just this lie that, oh, well, you have to be like her. You have to mm -hmm. do this thing. And so um, a lot of what Susie and I are talking about um, on her episode is talking about knowing yourself, knowing your giftings, mm -hmm. um, and even how important that is to have that affirmation from outside voices coming in so that you know this is how God has made you and this is where your lane is. This is where you should go. Um, yeah. So just so many good things there, I think. Um, and, you know, you've done this a while. So I think one of the things that I'm really curious, um, I actually had one of our college students at our college ministry come up to me and she's in Bible school. And she said, you know, Jackie, like I'm, I'm studying the Bible for school. I'm studying for, you know, writing my papers and stuff like that. And I'm just really having a hard time, like letting it sit with me, like letting it breathe into my soul and it mm -hmm. actually being for me and not for something I do. And so I think we kind of had a conversation about this this past weekend. And so I want to unpack this because I think especially as leaders, we're so used to prepping something for someone else or, you know, um, like trying to find a spiritual truth that we're able to communicate, you know, at coffee or something like that. And to be honest, like leaders oftentimes are incredibly dry, incredibly yes. weary. Um, and so I really want to kind of unpack, especially as you've gone through different seasons and the different things that you've learned, what it looks like to minister in those dry seasons and how to fill back up. So do you have anything with that? Wow. Um, how much time do we have? Yeah, I know. Right, right. <laughs> well, I mean, like this is a passion of mine because mm -hmm. of having, like you said, in a really nice way, now that I'm old <laughs> in the industry. Um, a little bit having, ahead, a little bit ahead. <laughs> however you want to say it, you're so diplomatic. Um, that's good. But having, you know, experienced a lot of that myself, because let's face it, if you lead, you will be drained because mm. people, and I love people, 
but if I used to jokingly say, you know, ministry would be so much easy, easier if it weren't for the people, mm-hmm. you know, and then God says, if it weren't for the people, I wouldn't need you. Right. And so we have to learn how to stay filled or to refill and, and refresh. And so, so I literally teach sessions on this at leadership conferences or ministry wife things of how to keep your passion for Christ fresh and real. Cause I've learned some things over the years. So, I mean, I'm thinking of the best. So two different things that you kind of asked in that question. I love what that college student said to you. Mm-hmm. Um, how honest that was yeah. that sometimes it's easy for the Bible become to become our textbook that we teach from instead of what we're living. Does mm-hmm. that make sense? Yeah. yeah. Um, and that's so easy for that to happen. And every one of us can think of a time, probably not that far in the past in which the Bible was a checklist. Okay. Read my Bible this morning, doing my chronological read through, whatever, check, check, check. Um, and we fall into that old school Southern Baptist turn in your offering envelope with all mm-hmm. the little check marks on the front. Mm-hmm. Remember those? Yeah. Okay. You might not, but I do. I do. <laughs> and stickers. Like yes. I was very much driven by stickers yes. on the board. <laughs> well, I was very much driven to lie because, um, <laughs> because the check, the, the boxes on the front, read my Bible, pray, you know, all these things. I'm like, well, I'm not turning in my money and like, I'm not giving my tithe or whatever. And like not checking the boxes. Do they throw it away? Or, I mean, you know, whatever, mm-hmm. but, mm-hmm. Um, but, and, by the way, I'm not dogging how Southern Baptists, how we used to do things. There was a lot to that. We were teaching trying. us disciplines. Yes. Yes. But what happens sometimes is we can fall into a checklist mentality. And then our spiritual lives become dry because everything is routine. Mm. Yeah. And so a few years ago, and it's a long story. I'll tell it really short. God so made this clear to me when my kids were little. I was tucking in my my littlest, uh, my youngest at the time. He's about five or six. Like could just bear, you know, was just reading his own little devotion. And he read his devotion and I would tuck him in. And, and it was one of those days that he had gotten on my ever-loving last nerve. Any mm. parents out there know that day. <laughs> and so he asked me a question. You know, he said, Mama, what does it mean to boast? And um, and I kind of had this epiphany moment of, I'm going to have the greatest spiritual teaching moment of my life with this kid. And I launched into this whole thing of how he had struggled that day to to be, you know, whatever, had gotten on my nerves that day. I didn't word it that way, but because he thought he knew better. And I was kind of, you know, using the script. I made this like great application and he's looking at me, just big eyes. And I get through with this lovely spiritual application. And I said to him, do you understand what I mean? And without cracking a smile, he shook his head and he said, no, I really don't think that applies here. <laughs> and I got so mad, Jackie, that I was not mad, mad, but, you know, like frustrated inside mm-hmm, because in mm-hmm. my mind, the angels were lining up singing the Hallelujah Chorus because how mm-hmm. good of a mom I am. And in his mind, he was like, and I was like, just good night and prayed with him and went to bed. And I walk out of the room and I'm so frustrated and I'm like, Lord, you know, um, I said, Lord, he is just like his daddy. He missed all the good points, you know, kind of joking. And God just real clearly said to me, he is just like you. Mm, and I said, yeah. no, 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 no. I do not know what you're talking about. That was a good illustration. You know that. You know I love a good illustration. And Jackie, not kidding. God started to bring to mind every time that I had ever sat in church and the pastor got up to preach. And my first thought was, I hope Jackie's here because she needs to hear this. Mm, yeah. Or I thought, I hope so-and-so is paying attention. Or, you know, yeah. I'd look at my kids and be like, are you paying attention? You know, that kind of thing. And God started to bring that to my mind. And it overwhelmed me mm. with how easy it is as a leader to hear God's word and apply it to everybody's lives but mine. Yeah, that's good. And from that day on, not saying I've done this perfectly, but I have been so much more conscious and intentional about the fact that you and I have got to remind ourselves and the people we lead that every time God's word is opened in my presence, whether I'm hearing it taught 
or, you know, sung or I'm reading it or I'm studying it, it will, it always applies to me first. Mm-hmm. Like I always need to process it through the lens of what do you have for, even I would say college student, if you are studying God's word for a class, when you are reading through that, ask yourself, God, what do you want me to learn from this first? And here's what'll happen when you fall into that uh, habit, discipline, you know, call it what you want, then what happens is you will be a more passionate teacher. Mm-hmm. You will be, you will be a better disciple of Christ because you will become more like him because God's word is living and active and changing us. But also the coolest thing ever is you'll lead people and teach them more passionately because it matters to you. Mm-hmm. Think about the thing that you teach the most. And what happens is you teach it most passionately. I always say this, we are most passionate about passionate about that which we have experienced for ourselves. So he who has been forgiven much is teaching about forgiveness with a passion like nobody's business. Hmm. And so if we kind of kind of have to remind ourselves of that, and you can think about Riley if you want to, and his little, I don't think that applies here, you know, comment how often we do that. You know, like we're just listening to it so I can go tell it to those ladies and God's going, I can just see him shaking his head, you know, going, oh my, you're missing the point. You know, Mm, let God's word do a work in you first Mm. and then share it with the people around you. And what happens there is keeps us from getting so dry. Yeah, that's so good. And I think even as you're speaking, I'm thinking of like how we need to be people and women that are practicing confession, that are practicing repentance. And so I think even in what you're talking about with letting it sit within us, if we're not practicing those disciplines that come with being moved in and chiseled by the word of God, then we're not growing. You know, like we may be becoming more academically like smart and knowledgeable of the text, but if it's not driving a change within us, then we're really um, like doing ourselves a disservice, right? And Mm so um, I think this even goes back to even some of the like elementary principles that we learn in spiritual disciplines, that that stillness, that quiet, that you are working this out with the Lord to where he is exposing that boastfulness, that pride, Mm -hmm. that um, approval God, you know, all of these things that I think um, people in general, but specifically leaders that I think we just have to constantly wrestle over. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I think that that. And then we even talk about in leadership how we're supposed to be the ones that go first, right? So So the way that we used to do that, Jackie, I used to write curriculum a long time ago. I've written a ton of it. And the motto, so I'm not 100% sure where this came from. It's not new to me. I I teach it. But we said it this way, the leader is the lesson. Mm. And we wrote all of the material that we were writing for, like, say, student leaders to teach reminding them this lesson is for you first, Mm -hmm. then go teach it to your students. So process it on, you know, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and then on Sunday, go teach it to your students and your application is going to be so much more fresh. I love that phrase. The leader is the lesson. Mm -hmm. That's good. That's good. Okay. So I want to get kind of practical and let's just see how you do it. Um, But so do you um, like whenever we're talking about personal time with Jesus, Mm -hmm. so are you studying what you are then going to teach later or do you have like a separate, um, you know, kind of like quiet time, what most people would call that to where you've got something else that you're studying. Like what are maybe some of your practical just disciplines of your own study to where you're able to really like check yourself on this is for me and my time with the Lord. And then this is what ultimately is going to pour out of me. Okay. So that is not always the same, which is not a bad thing. Yeah. um, go back to that avoiding routine thing. Um, whenever <laughs> I find that that God's word is not speaking to me, like I'm just checklisting it, then I realize that the problem is with me, not with God's word. Mm-hmm. So um, I like to say it this way. It's time to mix it up. 
do something a little different. And so currently, we'll go with currently. Yeah. Currently, I am reading through the Bible chronologically. And um, I love that so much. What probably one of the most um, spiritually um, intense growth times for me was the very first time that I read through the Bible chronologically about, I don't know, 10 or 15 years ago. I, don't, I actually have no idea when it was, but anyway, that time. And, um, and so this year, God just prompted me, let's do that again. So mm -hmm. I've gone back to that. Um, sometimes I have done, so like if I was going to, um, the next book that I'm writing, I'm working on a devotional and, um, well, I think it's a devotional right now, but I'm working on it. But <laughs> I mean, I'm just trying to be honest. Everything is not always set in stone in my life. Yeah, but yeah. when I was, I got this, um, God kept prompting me about this particular topic I was going to work on um, dealing with boldness. And so I knew immediately what he wanted me to study for it. And so for my quiet time for about three months, I only studied those scriptures, those people, and I just journaled about every bit of it. Hmm. Um, and that was my quiet time ish, um, quiet time slash study time. Mm -hmm. And, um, and it was with a purpose of, I know this is going to be come a devotional that I, you know, write and, and publish and everything. But for right now it's, I'm going to walk through it and process it in, in my life. And yeah. so I did that. I have, the, you know, the whole notebook is all together. And so as I sit down to work on it, then I'm walking back through it. Um, so if that makes sense. So sometimes yeah my quiet time will be something that I'm planning to study, but I try to do it a little bit separately. Like mm -hmm. I did that. And then I paused because I knew that that wasn't going to be the next season for me to write. I just have it ready to go. And that's what I'm working on now. Yeah. So, and so now my, my quiet time or personal time with the Lord is, is all about the chronological. Um, and so, you know, mixing it up kind of looks a little different in, uh, for me on those kind of things. But also I encourage people to mix it up and, you know, do a different translation, you know, all of those kind of things. Mm -hmm. um, but the key, I think, is us as leaders, don't get too obsessed with what somebody else says about God's word mm. to the point that you forget to be in God's word. Yeah. Um, yeah. I love a devotional, but I don't love a devotional in place of yeah. actual scripture. Yeah. So, I think that's good. Yeah. And I think that there's some freedom here. Like, I don't know. Oh, totally. And maybe this is just how I'm I'm wired. Um, but even sitting in seminary, you know, in Bible college over and over, they're like, you know, you need to let it work on you before you pour it out, you know, mm -hmm. and like, don't ever use what you're studying to be your quiet time, you know, and like, so there were all of these kind of markers of like, this is how you do it right. And of course, you know, Enneagram 3, an achiever, I'm trying to do it right, you know. And so yes. I think the reminder here is that that there's a lot of freedom and God uses crazy things, you know, like devotionals or our time studying through sure. Leviticus and, you know, like the, the long chapters of the law, those kind of things. He uses so many different avenues and things that are happening in seasons in our life that we're able to experience him. And so I think one of the biggest things, and this is one of the things that I told my college student was you know, chase him, no matter if you're dry or you are like on cloud nine and you're seeing him move, like chase him. And I love how you say to just shift it up a little bit, you know, yeah. and to trust that God is bigger than like our daily planner um, and how we try to pick apart his, his truth. And so I think there's just a lot of liberty and freedom there in whatever season you're in. And I hope you're listening and hearing that, that um, there's so much that God wants to show you and he's not in a box. And so exactly. trust him out of that box. Right. <laughs> exactly. And I just love what you, um, the 
point you're making of this is a personal relationship with Jesus. There is no perfect way to do it mm. other than it has to be with Jesus. Yes. And then after that, you know, um, and I even tell people sometimes mix it up and like go sit on your porch for your quiet time or mm. change the room of your house or change your posture. Have you ever done your quiet time on your knees on on the ground or you know, if your knees hurt and the older you get, lay on your stomach. I mean, you know, just changing your, just different things. Yeah. Um, and sometimes I think we fall into the trap of thinking, this is the way I should approach God. And he's going, I'm a creative God. Mm-hmm. You can approach me creatively, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and you can walk outside in your yard and talk to me out loud or I don't know. I'm just different. Don't, God cannot be boxed in and we yeah. should not try to, That's because so then we're going to just limit um, our expectations and we're going to limit the, just the amount of freedom we give him in our lives because he doesn't overtake us with that. He, he comes where he's invited, so mm-hmm. to speak. So, so I love good. the fact that yes, it's personal. Just make sure it's with Jesus and then, and do some things, you yeah. know, try and trust things. him with that, you know, like yes. trust him with, um, the measly offerings of I'm not, I'm not good. You know, like I, I got nothing. I'm dry. <laughs> um, yes. and, and expect him to come in and sweetly like fill that up. So, that. okay. Another leadership thing that I want to chat about that we talked about this last weekend was, um, just how God grows us in waiting seasons. Nobody likes to wait, especially here in the West. Like we are probably some of the most impatient whiny people. Um, but I I think a lot of what you brought out was that God does so much in the waiting. And so mm-hmm. kind of unpack with us a little bit and you don't have to go into, you know, specifics, obviously, but um, what are some of those kind of gold nuggets that you have learned in some of the harder seasons of the not yet? Yeah, there's so much there, right? And, mm-hmm. and I think um, the session that you were talking about is one that we based out of Isaiah 40. Um, especially 31, but like 27 through 31. Um, just those who hope, those who wait in the Lord will will gain new strength. And sometimes we read that and think of it as plugging ourselves back in, like to recharge a battery. That's really, that scripture is a whole lot more about exchanging strength. Mm-hmm. And so what happens, I think one of the reasons why we hate waiting is because we have control issues, yeah. right? Oh, and because if I toes. was in charge, this is how that would go. And, you know, <laughs> and it would be da, 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 and snapping our fingers. And, and so maybe that's one of the biggest things that is hard about waiting is me letting go of control and stop trying to, to manipulate or handle or, you know, whatever um, the circumstances and the situation. And when we remind ourselves who we're waiting on, Mm -hmm. it makes all the difference in the world Mm -hmm. because our God, this is probably the biggest truth that comes to my mind when we think about this subject is our God cannot disappoint us. He cannot fail us. He cannot let us down. He, he cannot not fulfill his promise. And so the times when I'm disappointed or I'm hurt or I'm frustrated is because I was trying to handle it or do it on my own strength instead of exchanging my strength for his strength, or I was, you know, trying to push past something. And, and um, the waiting part for us becomes so hard because we start to focus on the circumstances, you know, and we start to focus on um, why are you not doing something, God? And what happens um, is that we need to remember that God is working in all of the waiting. And, and you can think about all the people in, in scripture um, who've had to wait, who had to wait for something, mm-hmm. who had to wait until the time was right or until they had um, been shaped and molded 
and developed into the person that God wanted them to be for that moment. One of my favorite people in scripture is Moses, just because, Mm -hmm. I don't know, I feel like I can relate to him, you know, so, (laughs) so much. And, and he was God's man to save his people, right? Deliver them out of Egypt. But he spent about what, 40 years on the backside of nowhere, Mm -hmm. um, taking care of his father-in-law's sheep. I mean, they weren't even his sheep, you know? And so he's in the, that waiting period. And then we come to that powerful burning bush moment. But, but can you imagine, we don't read a lot about the 40 years of waiting, but yeah. I'm sure it was not the most fun year, you know, years of his life, but yet so much was happening and being prepared so that he was going to be the man he needed to be. And so that, you know, the children of Israel were going to be, you know, at the place where they needed to be in order to play. So all of this was going on. So when we remind ourselves, God is working in the waiting. It will make it easier for us to trust him with that. Because if you look back at your life and every time you had to wait for something, if it was waiting on God, he will always come through. There's Mm -hmm. no promise, you know, that he's not able to fulfill. Yeah. Or that he won't. So good. It also makes me think of David. You know, David um, is anointed like really young and he knows it. I mean, that's a special act that is is given to him, you know, like priest, God, everything. And then just those seasons to where he's literally having to like run for his life. And you imagine just what he's having to like cycle through of like, wait a second, God, you know, like I'm anointed. What? Why am I literally hiding in a cave um, from this guy that's trying to kill me? Mm -hmm. And I think there's a really big gem here, especially for us younger ones, because it is so easy for us to kind of get wrapped up in the idea of, well, I want what she has. And she's legit, you know, 30 years of of doing ministry, of learning the hard work. And that is where God has brought her. And so it's very easy for us, I think, and on the younger side of life, um, to where we expect to have the ministry and maybe the platforms or the opportunities that God has given some of our older sisters. And he's saying, yeah, but you didn't do all of the work that she's done the last three, four decades. Mm-hmm. And so I think there's a really hard truth there that we need to make sure that we um, get a grasp of and that we're constantly trying to lay down this idea of how much am I pushing forward because I want something or because God is opening the door. Would mm-hmm. you agree? Yeah, that's huge. Um, I, one of my, my pastors, he used to say it um, uh, one way. He would say, never substitute public ministry for private devotion. And don't crave the platform, take the opportunity. Does that make sense? Yeah. Don't crave good. the platform, take the opportunities God gives us. So many times in student ministry, all, all over all these years, students would, you know, there'd be some kind of crisis, like the, the horrible situation years and years ago at Columbine and the stories of the girl who stood for her faith and then she was shot because she, mm-hmm. you know, spoke up for God and people would say, oh, I would have done that. I would have done that. And I'm like, seriously, you think in the, in the heat of the moment, you're going to, you're going to stand up for God when you aren't standing up for him in the little things, mm-hmm. you know, it's yeah. people who live their consistent life, you know, taking full advantage of the opportunities that God gives us to, to use our gifts for his glory. You know, that's what, that's what opens more doors. Just like he says, you know, too much is giving much is required. And when you're faithful with a little, then, you know, you can be trusted with more, that kind of thing. But I think Jackie, what you said is so true, but it comes back to comparisons. Mm, Yeah. We say, I want Jackie's influence. Well, I'm not you. I, Mm. I'm not going to have your, your same sphere of influence or circle of influence, but my job is to cheer you on Mm. in what God is allowing you to do. And, you know, vice versa. 
And, um, and sometimes we get a little too caught up in that. I want the platform she has. I want to go be her. And God is going, you have no idea what all was happening in the waiting that was shaping her into the person that I'm using in in that particular place. And by the way, a lot of times if we had the option and knew the details, we would say, never mind. I don't want to go through all that. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I feel like we're stepping on toes, but good, good stepping, good oh, needed. I didn't mean to. Well, I mean, you know, it is what it is. <laughs> it's so good for us to remember, though, um, and set like a very sobering conversation. I think because it is so easy. This is a lot of what I taught this last weekend. Of it is so easy yeah. to get into the machine of ministry and leadership, and that you're doing all of the things for the other people, but you're not actually being and and soaking in Jesus and. So so um, it's it's a hard conversation, but it's a needed conversation that I think we should honestly be having more often um, because of where it ends, you know. Um, and and so I'm thankful for you. I'm thankful that we're we're having the hard toe conversation. Um, well, so we've got to. Let's oh. also be real and say that this steps on all of our toes off mm. and on. Yeah, you know, because we none of us are always getting that right. You know, for sure. I mean, I totally you know start checklist mentality or I start thinking, you know, that happens. But the the more we talk about it, like what you're doing, Jackie, and kind of leading that conversation, the more we talk about it, the more apt we are to recognize it quicker yeah. when pride or comparisons or any of those kind of things start to kind of rear up in our lives. If we've had these conversations, they'll pop right back into our head and we'll be like, oh my goodness. And we'll go back to what you talked about earlier of practicing confession quicker. Mm, yeah. And it'll save yeah. us a lot of trouble. Yeah. So good. Um, and, and I appreciate that. I think um, we need to be talking about this more. And so, ta-da, here's a podcast about it. <laughs> Share it <laughs> so, with your friends. <laughs> <laughs> so we... I, I don't know. I just imagine that we've probably kind of sparked, um, I don't know where you're listening to this, if you're driving and listening or if you're at work, um, but I would imagine um, that there are many of you that the moment that we started to talk about being dry and empty and tired and weary, that it just kind of started to bring up all of this emotion of that's me, that's me. I'm tired of pouring out, like I have nothing to give. So Rachel, to kind of close out, how would you encourage um, me? I think I, I'm in definitely a season trying to come out of that season, but many other leaders that I think are in the same spot and maybe don't have the opportunity to say, yes, that's me. How would you encourage her in her weariness? How would you um almost even refill her soul. Um, she's wanting to quit. She's tired. She's exhausted. What would you say to her? Oh, I would say a lot. A couple mm-hmm. of things that just immediately come to mind would be um, admit where you are. And if yeah, possible, admit where you are to, I mean, it's possible. Admit where you are to God. If possible, admit where you are to somebody else and mm-hmm. say, would you pray for me about this? And would you hold me accountable to do some things differently. And I would also say this, because I feel like there's a lot of people who do this. Don't settle for that. Yeah. I think there's a lot of us in leadership and ministry who settle for dry. And there was Mm -hmm. a time in my life not very long ago in which I felt very dry, probably close to a little bit of like actual depression, um, which they can easily, you know, go hand in hand. And, and I remember talking to the Lord about it. And I'm just going to be honest with you. um, I was looking for somebody or something to blame. Mm -hmm. And I was blaming just worship 
um, just the corporate worship I was involved in at the time, I was like, you know, it's because this style is da 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 da. It wasn't my favorite style or whatever. Do you know what yeah. I'm saying? Yeah. And so I was kind of blaming that. And I remember God really clearly going, oh, girlfriend, mm-hmm. are you really forgetting that that's, you cannot abdicate the responsibility of your own spiritual health to somebody else and blame them for it. Mm, you and I good. are in relationship. And so we have to take ownership. And I think a lot of times in our culture, there's just this culture we have of, of the blame game or putting that responsibility on somebody else. And I love, it's funny because you mentioned Leviticus a second ago. One of the things that I talk about a lot is this, it the responsibility for my passion for Christ or the fire in me is my responsibility. It's not anybody else's. And we have to own it. And you know what it says in Leviticus when it talks about the fire on the altar? It said that told the priest, the fire on the altar must be kept going. It must not burn out and it must be fed daily. Mm. And so I think the key for us, one is own where you are, take the responsibility for it, and then find some ways to feed the fire. And so feeding the fire is putting wood on the fire of of who God is in us. And it's in all of the things that you could name. If you're a believer for more than six months, you can name these things of, you know, God's word or prayer or whatever. And I think it goes back to our earlier conversation of if it's not working for you, if you're in God's word and it's not speaking to you, do not stop his word. Just do it differently. Hmm, Read a different translation. Listen to it in your car, whatever it takes. Try it until suddenly your soul starts to be refilled. Mm. and you start to feel that and ask God, tell him, this is where I am. This is where I'm dry. What do you want me to do? How do you want to speak to me? You know, how do you want me to approach you? Because here's the thing, you and I both know God's will for us is to be in close fellowship with him. Yeah, It is to be filled, just like John 10, 10 says, abundantly, more mm. abundant life. And Romans 15, 13, it says, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace so that you overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. That's the kind of life he wants for us. And if we know that in scripture, then we know that when we pray something according to God's will, that he hears us and answers us. And I would think the three things that I think about when waiting are we wait quietly, we wait patiently, and we wait expectantly. And you and I, when we are in that dry place, ask God, raise my expectations Mm -hmm. and start to focus on what it means to expect more from God and expect that he's going to speak to you and expect that he's going to fill you. Um, sorry, I got off really hard right there because I just feel so passionate about that with people and myself. I mean, listen, everything that I write as a resource or a study is because I need it. Mm -hmm. I write it to hold myself accountable or give myself a plan of action. And then I just share it with other people because we're all pretty much the same. You know, we're going to go through the same kind of things. And if it works for you, great. And you know, if it doesn't, don't, don't fool with it. But, um, and that's why I'm, I'm writing something on living a bold faith, because I really believe that in this day and time, it's time for Christians to live a bold faith that looks different and matters and is pushing back darkness. And I need that. So mm-hmm. I'm going to write it for me. And then I'll just see if anybody else wants to jump in on it. 
it is what it is. I love it. I love it. Well, I just appreciate your words so much. And, you know, one of my personal big heartbeats is that I love to encourage leaders. That's a big part of even wanting to be a part of this network and this podcast is because um, the leaders, I think, are the ones that are not believing the truth that we so often share. Mm -hmm. And so if you're listening today, like I hope you hear over and over and over in the rhythms of this conversation that he desires a relationship with you, that he wants to give life to your weary bones, and that the glory of God is so much bigger than anything that we can fathom. And so I know that many of you are tired. I know many of you feel defeated and like you're not you're not doing it all and you're not doing it well. And so I hope that at the end of this conversation that you are able just to take a deep breath wherever you are and recognize God's goodness and his giftings in you and that he has so much more ahead for you as you yeah. try to chase after him, not the things that you do, the things that we are. So yeah. And here, absolutely no judgment. No mm. judgment. Yeah. yeah. I mean, we're talking from our own zero <laughs> hot mess self, right? <laughs> exactly. Because you and I both have times in which our boundaries aren't in the right place, or mm. that's definitely a good place to start when yeah. you feel drained. But but just the fact that don't settle for where you are. There's no judgment that you're dry or weary or exhausted or want to quit. There's no judgment for that. But don't stay there. Find yeah. somebody, talk to them, you know, um, direct message one of us and get yes. we'll pray for you, you know, yes. whatever it takes. But find um, something that, and listen, it's never, it's never a wrong, well, no, no, I should never use the word never, but it's not wrong to need to pull back and take a break from some things, mm-hmm. but don't pull back from everything and don't pull back from God and don't pull back from his people or from yeah. ministry if that's what you're called to, because um, okay. then you'll, you know, kind of feed the wrong thing, but to take a break and retreat and, and refresh and then go forward. Yeah. So good. Well, Rachel, I appreciate you so much of just your vulnerability of you just sharing um, just so much good truth, I think, for us and from your own personal experience and walk with the Lord. And so just thank you for your time and your encouragement today. Well, thank you, Jackie. Thank you for loving on leaders, um, especially SBC women leaders and of across all of the you know genres of the things that we do, because we need it. And if mm-hmm. you think about the people that you influence, and God wants you to minister to or lead or whatever, that we're going to do that best when we're filled with him so that the things that overflow on them are things of the Lord and his Holy Spirit. So I love what you do and thank you for all of that. Oh, thank you. Yes. And I hope this is a reminder that you are a part of a tribe. You're a part of mm-hmm. a group of women that are so strong and that want to lift weary hands with you. So I appreciate y'all's time listening in today at the table with Rachel, and we hope that you will join us again next week for another episode. Y'all have a great week. Thanks, Jackie. And if I can help any 